This episode of the Retail Exchange Podcast is presented by Trust Systems, with partners Samsung and Ergonomic. If you're asking questions about how to optimise digital signage solutions in your retail business right now, Trust Systems has the answer. With a wealth of expertise in the retail and enterprise sectors, Trust Systems provides the underlining technology to enable agile, intelligent, next-generation digital businesses. To find out more, visit trustsystems.co.uk slash digital today. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Retail Exchange podcast with me, Jason Bradbury. In this, the second of a two-part special exploring innovation in digital signage technology, I'm here at the amazing space that is Samsung KX in Coal Drops Yard, London, to talk to senior retail industry professionals who know a thing or two about what it takes to create a blueprint for digital signage success for anyone wanting to think big and do better. So I'm here with Trust Systems, Ergonomics and Samsung at Samsung KX in London. Behind me is the Samsung KX feature wall, the perfect background for today's roundtable discussion about digital signage. I'm delighted to be joined by a stellar panel of guests to explore the now, that's you guys, and the next in digital signage solutions, the trends, the technology and the challenges for businesses as they seek to make informed strategic decisions that will shape customer experience and engagement in 2022 and well beyond. With me, I have from Trust Systems Sales Director Andy Fox, good to see you Andy, and Commercial Director Mike Dowson from Samsung, Head of Business Development Steve Robertson, hello Steve, and Business Development Manager for Display at Samsung, John Bathgate. And on the end, it's Chris Dewar, Key Account Manager at Ergonomic Solutions. Gentlemen, welcome. Andy, if I can start with Hi you there. first. Look, there's no doubt that businesses need to change uh, in line with evolving consumer habits. It's the landscape is changing beneath our feet, isn't it? How are changing consumer behaviours influencing particularly digital signage, you know, your strategies as you roll out? Yeah, absolutely. You're absolutely right. The market is massively evolving. Customers and consumers are wanting to buy and engage with with organisations in different ways. A digital channel and digital strategy really gives retailers, businesses an opportunity to engage how and in real time with customers in how they want to sort of buy, get informed and, and in sort of engage with, uh, with that brand. How, how do they want to buy? What's, what, how are they changing? So I think we're clearly seeing a much more omnisodal channel environment. We're seeing much more sort of digital buying behaviours such as you know, online, that e-commerce world coming into the more retail environment uh, and, uh, and therefore being able to sort of move that digital experience into a store, into a, uh, an ordering process in a sort of brick environment. That is how the retailers have to embrace the digital strategy. What do you see as your kind of critical success factors? So I think when you are engaging in a digital strategy, the, the critical success factor is really sort of understanding what your objectives are. What do you want to achieve by engaging with your customers? What is the ROI you're looking for? Who are the stakeholders within your organisation that are going to want to influence and, and benefit from that, uh, that digital media? 
then you have to sort of consider the sort of environmental conditions, the infrastructure that you're putting that, that digital signage in, the location, uh, where is it best to sort of engage uh, and get the most value and return on that investment for your organization. Uh, there's various factors and we as, a, as an organization through our experience, we look to sort of help on that journey and, and help uh, organizations to embrace and, and make the most of that digital strategy. So Mike, just for the sake of clarity, we, we talked briefly about what trust systems do in episode one of this uh, podcast, but I, I want you just to sketch out for people listening and, and, and watching at home you know, exactly what it's all about. Yeah, so I think our responsibility as a solution provider is not to dictate, it's to challenge and to listen. We've got a wealth of experience in our business. Some of that goes back longer than I'd care to mention in some cases, but for us, it's about reaching into an organization and looking for their gaps, their challenges and their opportunities and then bringing it together with some core fundamental things, such as an enterprise bus, which is your network. And if you haven't got a secure, capable, and dynamic network that you can shift data with quality, with security, and with real-time experiences, then you're nowhere. And for us, that's a core skill that we bring to the party. When I look at opportunities in the retail store businesses today, they've been challenged massively and in a good way by the e-commerce experience that everybody has embraced right across the globe. So it's not just unique to your local high street, whether it's your village shop or your supermarket or your hyper stores. You know, the whole of the retail channel in the destination environments have been challenged. But what the digital screen business brings to the party and what the tool sets that we've now got today bring to the party is that we can get rid of cardboard. That's a green initiative. We can get rid of old news. How many times have you walked into a store in the last few years and seen Easter eggs and it's now nearly Christmas? How many times have you seen Happy Valentine's Day and it's now the 3rd of March? It's the customer... Uh, you know, you're confusing your customer. I agree. It's the customer version of, of the playlist. You know, when, you, when I worked in retail in the 80s and, and, and I remember even now it's still ingrained in my mind, the playlist. It was the same playlist for like five years and it's effectively been the same for consumers, hasn't it? The, the signage has been exactly the same, unchanging, sometimes for years. Well, I think one of the things that we really need to shake up is making it relative, making it personalised, making it real. Why promote something that you don't have enough stock in the store to promote? Why display a price that's not competitive? Why shout something from the rooftops that's not relevant because it's raining outside or it's 90 degrees on the high street? You've got to have that ability to be agile. And what the technology that Samsung and other partners that we bring together in this collaborative space give us is that ability to deliver something that's real, something that's substantial, and as Andy pointed out, has got ROI on it. You I was know, going to say, there is a return on investment for that. Uh, it, there has to be. You can't just do this for vanity. No. You know, businesses are businesses and they're being challenged. You know, the biggest challenges that businesses have got today is the cost of people. The second biggest challenge is the cost of real estate. So anything that you put into that environment for both the people, the store colleagues, and the customers to view and use has to have a very, very effective cost base. And one of the things that we've managed to do by getting a collaborative group of professionals with great products and great services and capability and knowledge is that we brought that together. And we're very proud to say we've been tested by some of the biggest retailers in the planet. And you know, we've got something that is fit for purpose. And that's why it's, it's going and that's why it's rolling. And we want to do more of it. So I was chatting to you, Andy, earlier about that really cool contactless payment screen. We were, yeah. I was also looking at, one, in fact, one of your digital signage 
devices is behind us there. I'm interested just to understand a little bit about how the content that we're talking about gets there. Who controls it? Well, the content ultimately comes uh, from, the, uh, from the customer, their, their branding, their messaging, the information that they want to sort of display out through that engagement channel. But ultimately, now with the use of the Samsung technology of, uh, of Magic Info, we as trust systems can manage that content and the delivery of that content um, that real-time dynamic content for our customers, uh, enabling them to be really agile and be really responsive to give the right messaging across various different medias, whether that's the same messaging from a e-commerce site to a digital display, get a lot of that content and deliver it real-time across those, uh, those multiple sort of digital channels. So that's one of the massive value adds of the Samsung Magic Info System on Chip solution, enabling it to be cloud-managed and controlled to deliver the messaging to the right screen at the right time to engage that audience. And that's a big value that, that a managed service partner such as Trust Systems can really provide to, to a lot of our, our customers. And what, what are the customers doing, Mike? How, how are they innovating? So about four years ago, we sat down with the clients who wanted to take the challenge on, looked at the cost or what the cost that they assumed and presumed or had been presented by others. And we said, right, okay, the first thing we've got to do is understand what have you got as a data lake? What, have, what assets have you already got? How can we sweat those? How are they being created? So we set up a fantastic working group between their digital marketing agency, who obviously had a huge stake in this. They, they've been, you know, they wanted to be at the table. And what we were able to do working with Samsung is say, right, these are the capabilities of the technology. This is how far you can stretch your digital content. Yes, you can go to animation. Yes, you can go to moving visuals. And what we did is we tested that, and we, we worked really hard <clears throat> to really stretch the limits of, that, of the technology. Don't just give me a small JPEG with a standard image that you think is going to be acceptable. Really go for it. Because the one thing that the clients and the customers want to see is that collaboration of what they see in the digital channel, That going back to that e-commerce experience, it has to be as good, if not better, yeah. in the real world. So when they walk in that store, it's got to resonate. It's got to be, wow, that's what I saw when I was browsing last night. Oh, yeah, that's what I saw on the TV advert. You know, and there it is shining in front of me. Oh, and the message is relevant. Oh, and it's, oh, actually, it's, it's changed. It's, it's new. You know, wow, there's something else out today. And that's where we're working with the digital marketing specialists to accelerate that data in real time to uh, the consumers. This is a bit off topic, but I'm interested. You know, as a dad, you must have noticed, as I, as I have, that the way that the, the generation coming up behind us experience digital content is so much more energetic than it was, you know, when you and I first started interacting with, you know, digital signage or information in store and so on and so forth. How, does your, how is your system rising to that challenge? What I mean specifically is the amount of content, the speed of the content, is this something that you that you yeah that I, th I think have a strategy for yeah yes we do and and actually we're we're having to shape and adapt because more is demanding it's really interesting it's a bit like a fantastic beer if you give it to one person it gets consumed slowly and they're thinking about it and then they tell somebody else and the next minute somebody drinks that twice as quick and then your production line's got to get better right and then they want it slightly colder and somebody else wants it with a tweak and a and a change we have a production line and I, I talk about this digital triangle between client, I've got these products, I've got these activities, I've got these marketing initiatives, they're communicating back to their content creators, and then they're coming back to us as a collaboration group to deploy that for them. And what we're seeing is they, they, they trial it. So COVID was a fantastic 
a test for the platform. I've got some Welsh-speaking stores. I've got to get some messages out because there's different rules going on in, in Wales God, to yeah, that that we've got yeah. in the UK. So I can't have one message for the whole country. Within hours, we were displaying new content. Within hours. Not you know, next day, sometime at the weekend. And then what was happening is that marketing team and that communications team were going, hey, hang on, we're onto something here. And then, you know, um, good and bad happens in the world. You know, an unfortunate situation arises where, you know, um, HRH, uh, Prince Philip passed. Within a very short space of time, a short 10-minute memorial for one client was put together. And we was able to have that moment of reflection on his day of his funeral and pass out something that was heartfelt, planned, but relevant. It was relevant. It wasn't something that was, you know, sort of thrown together and hope it happens. You know, and, and that, I think, shows the agility of, of the, the platform. After 10 minutes, we were back to business as usual. And what they're now doing is they're driving more and more challenges to us. You know, I'm seeing an increase, a steady increase. Yeah, as they're accelerating. The flexibility. They're going, hey, hang on. Yes, yeah. we can do this. You know, we're a sales business. We're a managed service <clears> company. <throat> Obviously, we pitch the benefits. That's what we're doing here today. But sometimes people can't quite realize what they mean yeah. because they've got to get their toe in the water. And we're not asking somebody to swim the lake. We're asking somebody to paddle and then take a, a, a bathe. And that, that acceleration of, of thirst and demand for stretching the digital uh, abilities of the platform are coming thick and fast. And that's and an exciting thing for you. Though, oh, it's right? fantastic because yeah. at the moment, everything we've built, because we've got that technology layer, the infrastructure, we're managing the network, we're managing the quas of data input. You know, one of the really great things that uh, Samsung has allowed us to do for one, well, all the clients that are, uh, are interested is, we got away with plastic and copper. So we don't cable plastic and copper back to a switch to move data around. We're using wireless networks. Now, you know, system on chip technology is a, is a, a lifeblood for innovation because all of a sudden, you know, in a big deployment, you're taking hundreds and possibly millions of pounds out mm. of a deployment. You're not filling up switch ports and putting demand on other enterprise environments. And that, for us, starts driving ROI, it starts driving quick time to market, it gets, it gets deployments done quicker and easier. So it just simplifies what digital technology should, should be all about, and that is getting something out there now. I love it, I love it. And, and, and this is data-driven, right? You're not just doing this blue-sky thinking. You, you have hard data that drives the decisions you make. Absolutely, yeah. And the, the biggest challenge is, is we are working with partners, our customers, you know, our retail clients, who are constantly challenged to drive cost mm. down in the business. So we can't just come up with something that says, hey, you know, look at this, it's fantastic, but it's a gazillion pounds, you know, and yeah, yeah, they'll just empty their pockets. That's never going to happen. You've got to start driving a whole host of supply chain solutions. It's not just about the technology. You know, during COVID, we, we are being hit constantly by, you know, there's a silicon shortage. So how do we manage supply chain? How do we keep up with the demand and the thirst for digital? Ergonomic are taking forward prices on steel and glass to enable us to build bulletproof <coughs> uh, enclosures that are fit for purpose, for sake. Work safe. even when a car comes through the front of the uh, Absolutely. Shop. That, that I mean, something I was introduced to. That's a real <laughs> thing that happened, right? Yeah. Uh, well, I have to say we were talking more about children standing on benches and shaking them and possibly dropping them okay, on them. Yeah. But cars <laughs> entering the store at, at speed wasn't part of the, <laughs> the sign-off process. The design brief. But there you go. I mean, thankfully, we built them to such a high level 
that that probably saved lives that day. And, you know, if anybody wants to look out there on the social channels, you'll find yeah, it. Yeah, that video is out there somewhere. Mm. Um, Andy, what, what, what are the merits of content management? Uh, the management of content management, I'm going to extend that to the merits of cloud content management, I think is the really important piece, is, is about you know, controlling that at a sort of central global level with the ability then to deliver that content to the right screen at the right time. And not only just about delivering it, but it's about reporting on it. It's about reporting in terms of what's played, in terms of you know, making sure that the content that you think you're delivering out there and your customers are engaging with is actually, about, is actually sort of being, being received. So you know, giving retailers the ability to have different messaging managed and delivered to different screens, whether it's regional, uh, as Mike was saying earlier, about delivering content in a particular country or a particular region. Um, Cloud-managed content gives you that ability to sort of really be very targeted and very direct with the uh, messaging to particular areas. It's about agility, isn't it? Absolutely. So you can respond, you know, not over time. You can respond, as you say, instantly to, say, yeah. weather. Or, uh, I mean, I came through London yesterday and there was a tube strike and the, the result was huge. I mean, the, the streets were th full of people and of course, it, it was also a, a, in the middle of a storm, so yeah. it was really rainy. It, it, was, it was chaos to get, to get anywhere. I had this electric skateboard, which is probably not the, the safest way of getting across <laughs> London in the wet. But you know, the sorts of information that people need in a store at four o'clock when they're thinking of, of maybe going home, yeah. when suddenly their travel arrangements have been altered, you could potentially supply uh, that information. Absolutely, but what about actually keeping it real and, and down to you know, everyday experiences in a, in a, in a shop? where actually you've got a bunch of product that you want to get out there in a, you know, to, to sell. You know? yeah. So whether it's Markdown or whether you've got hot cross buns or Easter eggs or whatever it might be, actually it's about being agile enough to get that product out to your market to make sure people are aware of it, that it's in store, that it's ready to purchase. You know, that, that ability to manage that content <clears throat> in a real-time agile fashion will have a demonstrable effect and benefit for increasing customer experience, satisfaction, and actually, you know, basket spend. I love it. I'm, I'm fascinated. I could carry on talking about this, but um, I'm going to move on now. I want to uh, welcome uh, Steve and Jonathan, both from Samsung, into the fold. Good to see you. Good to see you again, Steve. So I guess the first question I'll, I'll, I'll put to, to you, Jonathan, if I may. Where do you start when it comes to finding the right partner? Okay, so that's, that's a great question, because if you look at how Samsung does business, we actually deal indirectly, if you like, with our end users. Therefore, we rely very heavily on a fantastic ecosystem of partners. And those partners tend to have real specialization within, say, a retail or a supermarket environment, or maybe a hospitality or a transport environment. So when our relationship started, I think around about 2018, it wasn't so much let's look at prices and product. It was let's look at what is the value that we can take to market. So I'm a business development manager. So for me, it's about you know, getting to know the partner or the integrator and also educating them about our business. So rather than just products, we went into a whole stage of processes around welcoming the partner to our demo center, meeting the end user in some early exploratory meetings to get a feel for their business. And this is way before we put pricing or products on the table. Also, other 
facilities that we sort of initiate are things like use of the demo center that we have in the UK and Europe, and facilities like this, for example, and also products so that testing can begin. I think the most important feature around this partnership was around actually education around our Magic Info software, which was about, you know, let's have a play with the software, let's see how it feels, how it works, how we can package it and ultimately be, make a successful business out of this. Can I ask you about the Magic Info software? Yeah. Just, just sketch it out a little bit for our listeners, just to make it a, a little clearer. So along with display products like Samsung products, we have our own system, which is the software content management system called Magic Info. That's our brand of software. So when we find an opportunity, we can either sell hardware, but hopefully hardware and software, because it's a much more solution spread opportunity. So Magic Info basically takes the information that Andy described earlier, which is the content that the customer creates through their creative agencies, and gives the system integrator or the partner the ability to schedule the information, put the information on screen at the time they want, advertise special promotional products at the price that they think will be successful, and also other important aspects like prove that they've played a certain number of times a day or month so that you can back it up to the business. That. And that's where the clever things comes yeah. in, the scheduling, the content. It's all about, you know, our hardware effectively is the platform for that clever software and content but to play. But it's a match made in heaven, isn't it? Absolutely. We saw it as a game changer. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we really did. Because it does not only the CMS scheduling and content management piece, but you can also manage all the environmental and security aspects of the hardware when it's out there. So if you put something into Dundee or you put it into Belfast or you put it into Cork or you can stick it over in Amsterdam, you've got to know that somebody isn't putting other content on there. They're, yeah. they're not invading your space, that temperatures are, are right, that the screen is turned on, yeah. that it's displaying the right thing. So the CMS solution and that ability to have one yeah. view of everything in a cloud-based environment was absolutely key for us. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, it really was a marriage made in heaven. This episode of the Retail Exchange podcast is presented by Trust Systems, with partners Samsung and Ergonomic. With a wealth of expertise in the retail and enterprise sectors, Trust Systems designs, deploys, and manages integrated network and digital solutions. Underlining technology that enables agile, intelligent, next-generation digital businesses. Our managed digital signage solutions are just one example of how Trust not only provides the what, but also the how, bringing the necessary elements together to ensure your technology deployment goes above and beyond. If you're asking questions about how to optimize digital signage solutions in your retail business right now, Trust Systems has the answer. Visit trustsystems.co.uk slash digital today to learn more. That's trustsystems.co.uk slash digital. Steve, what are the problems about integrating all of this technology? I guess the integration part, and um, there was, there was a, another part, in fact, that all three of the chaps have just spoken to now, it's that upgrade path, isn't it? What does that upgrade path look like? What are they trying to achieve? Are they going from simply something like a, a paper or cardboard-based uh, in-store experience to something that's digital, or are they trying to maintain some continuity between their web presence and their now in-store presence. Now, that's a massive challenge, actually, and, and one we spoke about earlier. We did. We talked about it in the context of colour. Yeah. About how, the, 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 you know, the corporate blue or, you know, green or whatever it is, in some print material, 
looks very, very different on an RGB screen, doesn't it? Yeah, quite right. And, and then, so that's when the technology within the screen can help deliver that Pantone match or the RGBs as we spoke about. And then the integration really does come from the partnership piece that John's really referring to, which is where we need to partner with the, with the likes of uh, with Trust to deliver it. That brings the whole system and I guess the vision that the customer has to life as well, right? So we, we can then integrate the software, our technology, and also a lot of the analytics that uh, Trusted System develops. What, what you know, what Samsung has, has, has always got right, I mean, I'm a fan of other brands, I just put that out there, yeah. <laughs> but I have to admit that um, I have several Samsung products and I'm aware of your, your kind of design e ethos. There's a real lifestyle feel to what you yeah. do. This KX space that we're in today is a really great example of yeah. that. I'm interested to know though about when you're putting digital signage uh, into retail environments, you want it to serve an informative purpose, don't you? You want to get the message out there, but you also want it to be a bit artistic, yeah. a bit aspirational. Is that difficult? Yeah. I think it's effectively part of the Samsung sort of family of products, if you like, in the way that we work. So, you know, we represent one particular part of the Samsung family, which is display, but we have very close links with the mobile world, uh, domestic appliances, mobile. You can see all that around here yeah, as well, all the individual facets. It's almost like it's, it's full of art yeah. here, isn't it? And I think what that gives us as well is, we talked about the end-to-end -end solution, it gives us the ability to work with other parts of the organization. For example, we have a, a finance division where we can talk about these large projects and dilute that down into Samsung Capital solutions, which are, which are backed up by the global organization. Also, one of the benefits of having the range of products is that we have a very fine-tuned support organization in the UK, Europe, and globally, where the three-year warranty, the five-year warranty, next business day swap out, adds to the benefit of effectively, you know, taking our product to market and provisioning on Samsung. You know, you have an environment where you can actually have a swap out the next day. So if something fails, we swap it out the next day. That's part of the warranty. So I think the benefits we get from that end-to-end -end solution make us, you know, deliver those USPs to our partners like Trust and to their major projects. Can I talk about COVID? You know, it was a game changer in, in so many respects, but, you know, particularly for, for what you're doing in terms of the messaging that was required almost overnight. What, what lessons do you draw from that? Yeah, well, I think actually that further enhances the need for, as John mentioned, Magic Info with content management system, being able to deliver that consistency of message. It's, you know, not just for staff, but also for customers wanting a safe and secure environment as well. So again, Magic Info allows you to deliver that in a very timely and deliberate manner. Yeah, look, I, I think um, Samsung, like many other consumer electronics companies out there, experienced the delays and shortages as well. But everyone's been able to pivot in some way, shape or form, isn't it? We, we spoke as well earlier about the emergence of those native players within the digital world that are now starting to make more of a, or, or want more of a, a footprint in the traditional bricks and mortar. So they can obviously see that opportunity. We've seen that massive surge in streaming. So the players such as Netflix and TikTok, how they will become more influential within the retail space as well. So Yeah, to a certain extent, they're defining a new way, aren't they, of consuming information. I mean, sometimes my 14-year-old is in the same room as, as me, and I almost get a kind of shell shock 
based on the amount of completely different content that he's been yeah. through in the space of sort of five minutes. And it's clear that he gets meaning from that. He can understand that. As the, the director is smiling. It's clearly got, you've got a 14-year-old, haven't you? There is a, a very distinct cultural difference in terms of how they absorb information. That's what I was, I was getting to, yeah. actually, with you, Mike. Um, yeah. uh, but I think you are uniquely positioned, actually, yeah. to make that, that change. Yeah. Um, no, it's, it's fascinating stuff. Can, can I get some key uh, insights, some tips, if you like, into the best ways of implementing digital signage uh, in, in a way that ultimately is successful? Some tips from the top. Okay, so when you're looking at major rollouts, obviously it's a number of services, hardware, software, the testing, the support factors. One thing for me, though, that I've learned from dealing with you know, several vertical markets, really, is to make sure that we absolutely understand the end user's business drivers. So, for example, we do dozens of pilots that effectively go nowhere because we don't tie up the pilot with the metrics that give, deliver success for that project. So very early on in some of our trust projects, we worked out that we would have to look at return on investment. We would have to work with the end user around how we're going to get, you know, kids looking down on their mobiles to look up at the uh, displays and be influenced yeah. and therefore to, you know, equal a, a transaction and, and a loyalty, if you like. But also, we set out some very strict parameters around the pilots to make sure that we were measuring. If a product is advertised in a promotion, how much revenue do we get from that timescale during the pilots? And that was very measured in trust with Aldi, for example, in, in that major project. And from other areas that I work in, I've also worked on returning on investment being made on the increase in percentage, for example, that a digital drive-through has over a poster drive-through, or the fact that effectively one in four transactions are affected by a digital vision rather than a poster. So we know that people engage, and therefore, if you understand that and you correlate that return of investment into the project, you're likely to be successful. If you're not connecting your pilots to return of investment, then many projects simply don't fly. I want to jump to my favourite uh, topic now, and that's just a little bit of future gazing. Um, could you, I'll, I'll start with you, Steve, could you just sketch out a little bit of a vision for what we can expect, where it's going. We talked briefly about it in the in Yeah, we did. Um, seeing, I as mean, we're, seeing as we're in you know, a great example of the store of the future, where is the experiential retail thing going? Yeah, well, we spoke about things like the affordability of some of the, the technology now and where it's going, particularly the emergence of LED. We've obviously got this tremendous backdrop here, right? And we also spoke, you know, that you, are, you said about technology being aspirational. That should be aspirational, but equally it should be attainable, shouldn't it? For if it's not the, the tier one and major brands, and then you have got some of these other pop-up stores that are, are starting to emerge. As I mentioned before, you've got those where they're native to the digital world and they're starting to proliferate now into uh, to shopping centers in more of a pop-up variety, but they are you know, now investing in bricks and mortar. How do they deliver something like this? And actually, you would think they're ideally positioned to make sure that their digital and in-store experience is, is really on point. We spoke about things like uh, AR, uh, sorry, uh, yeah, augmented reality and VR and how that could potentially start to, start to uh, drip feed into, um, into the in-store experience. Buying habits as well and, and what are the drivers for, you spoke about your, your son, right, and what motivates him and, and his buying journey compared to what you know, the, the bulk of this uh, panel's uh, buying journey would look like are going to be entirely different. So that goes back to what we talked about, the relevance of content, isn't it? How do we trigger 
that buying behavior? How do we provide a connected experience as well when they're inside? And I know Andrew mentioned about omnichannel. The technology that has been useful, the device or the platform, should not be a barrier to making that purchase, should it? Yeah, that's so, right. Yeah. And also the, that experience. We shouldn't underestimate the importance of the experience. And if, it's, if you don't get that right, the cost of that, at what cost? You know, how, how, and we, we spoke about loyalty and, and all these good things. So whilst it doesn't give you the, sorry, that doesn't answer the question in no, it, completely. It very much does. But it's, it's more about where some of the ways in which I think companies could potentially pivot during, not just now, but it, as you're coming down the track. Yeah. Can I throw you an example? Yeah, please. One of the hardest hit businesses on the high street for a long time has been the travel companies because yeah. everything's gone online. Absolutely. We can buy holidays while we're on the tube, well, if you've got connectivity, of course. But could you imagine using this type of technology, but in a scaled version, where you could drop somebody onto a yeah. beach? Into the Caribbean. Into the Caribbean and yeah. give them essential experience, whether that's with VR technology, but with screen technology like this today, you can get a feel for it. You could get a walk through your hotel, you could get a walk through the hotel room or the villa that you're thinking about staying, staying in. Get a feel for the culture, you know, walk down the high street in, in Palenza or in, in uh, Hawaii is, or You've something. got to get them into the store. And, 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 and the reason is, is, is coming from retail in the 80s, back in the day, um, I, I was passionate about, I worked at Next and I was passionate about that job. It kept, you know, kept me in bread and cheese for two years as a student, but I was also really bothered about doing well and, and uh, you know, learning the black art of sales. You wouldn't think so, would you? You know, gift of the gab and all that. And um, no, the, the, what, what's in, what seems evident to me is that certainly in, in terms of the travel example, you know, those travel agents have often been to the location that you're talking about. They really know what they're talking about. And I want to know from a human being, what's it like? You know, what's yeah. it like for the kids? Is it safe? And, and all those sorts of things. But the issue is that you get, you get drawn in to the kind of Googleization of, of buying a holiday and you miss that human interaction. But if your high street store has got this unique technology, if there's a buzz about it, if it's an experience, then you're going to go, then you're going to get the benefit of that. And, and when, somebody's going shopping, when somebody's going shopping for a holiday now, the first thing they do is they jump on Google Maps and they drop themselves into the middle of the swimming pool and they're having a look around. Well, you need to do that on the high street. Yeah. But you can do it in a much more sensory way. Yeah. You can do it on you know landscape version, not on a small tablet. You can do it in style. And yeah. that's going to draw people back into yes. that gregarious and that sharing of, of information and, and, a, and back into the old buying habits, but aided and abetted with digital technology. I, love it. I think actually just to extend on that, I think digital signage there is to enhance the customer experience. You know, actually, you know, when we were talking earlier about the self-checkout example of digitization you know, in, a, in a, a store or, or hospitality environment, what you're enabling that, that uh, operational um, part of the business to do is actually release staff from behind a till. It is. And actually put it's staff... It's staff. It's, no. it's, it's a, it, you know, you're refocusing the resources, aren't you? Absolutely. Move them from behind the till to actually a front-of-house customer service experience. Planted. You know, greeting customers, actually uh, making sure the shelves are stocked, making sure that customer's got the right product in the right size, yeah. assisting the sale, and therefore actually the... Checkout is just a transactional digital transaction rather than a customer engagement of when you've already decided to purchase something. Moving that operational cost to front of house will absolutely enhance the, uh, the customer experience. And that's, that's aided by digital signage. Absolutely. That's fantastic stuff. 
Thank you, gentlemen. I'm going to move uh, to the uh, chap on the end. Uh, Chris, good to have you with us. You, you must have been thinking, when, when, when's it my turn? Now. Okay. Here we go. <laughs> Talk to me. Talk to, I was going to say I'm going to give you two words, but I think it might be one. Space pole. It is one word. You're absolutely okay. right. And, and it is so, one word. <laughs> explain. So the concept behind space pole is to take pieces of technology and modularize them to make them fit in different environments. So the concept could be taking a 55-inch screen, which could be deployed in an indoor, an outdoor environment, from a ceiling, from the floor, from the wall. It enables us through a series of um, modular-based systems to deploy the technology in different areas that will fit the different clients and customer base that we, we all work with. So from our perspective, that's how we add value in relation to the extra pieces of this. And I, I touched on before how effectively we're the final piece of the puzzle when it comes to the implementation and how you know, the, whole, the whole concept of this being more than a screen having the screen, having the content management system, and then effectively the place within that location where it makes the most sense to deploy. So in terms of the location, to bring it down to earth, what about the health and safety concerns around deploying this, these, these relatively large, yeah. solid, strong objects? As you can imagine, retail can be a little bit of a jungle or a zoo with kids running around, wanting to climb on the counters, climbing up hills. Our background as ergonomic solutions has always been to have retail hardened solutions. So we, we very much look at these type of real life concerns that our customers have and how we can best address them. It was touched upon earlier, one of our shop and go type of stores uh, being converted into a drive through not by design. Uh, from our perspective... All right, yeah, the car coming through the window. Yeah. From our perspective, this is absolutely a real-life problem. What is in place to make sure that these customers are safe if this was to happen during the day? Having a, you know, a whopper of a screen fall on you because it hasn't been deployed sensibly or properly yeah. is, is a danger to life. And a reseller might not even else. think about those considerations. Absolutely. You, you've got to kind of design ahead of that, haven't you? Absolutely. Uh, Jason, just very quickly, um, mentioned obviously about you know, the drive-through. Same, same principle in relation to QSR space and digital, digitalizing these drive-throughs. How often do people drive into billboards in a drive-through? I imagine it's quite high. So having that retail-hardened ability or retail-hardened technology in your estate really does add the extra value and uh, future-proof your solution. Okay, so retail-hardened, which is my new couplet, by the way. I'm going to try and use that in other areas of my life. Yeah. <laughs> but the, the issue you've got there is it's still got to be aesthetic, hasn't it? It's still yeah. got to work within the form of, uh, you know, and very precise branding of a retail environment. What challenges do you have there? What examples do you have where you've done a particularly good job of integrating this these retail-hardened structures I, I don't know. seamlessly? No idea. I mean, um, from the perspective <laughs> of... Uh, I'll touch very quickly on the brand. As we move, and you asked this earlier around what does the store of the future look like, today we still have belted checkouts in stores, particularly in tier one supermarkets. We are seeing more and more of those belted checkouts be removed from the supermarkets and be replaced by self-service devices. Going forward, those self-service devices will be removed from the equation and it will all be done on your phone. And we're seeing, we're seeing major players in the retail space start to develop. Well, they're all nodding to that. That's really interesting to me. I do love this idea of a, of a kind of you know, image recognition camera system, being aware that I've picked up a particular device and, or my phone scanning the device. What's the time frame for that? Sorry to stop you in mid-flow. We'll come back to it. But what are we talking? When are we going to see that implemented in a, in a way that you know, m most people will have had you know, one or two shops within their local area? 
So at it's the here moment now. today, now. it's here yeah. now. Yeah, it's here now, absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. we're seeing, uh, certainly in the UK, I believe at least six of the major supermarket chains are now certainly piloting, already deploying this type of technology. Predominantly at this moment in time, it is around, we touched on this point earlier, the convenience of being in a city centre. So it's the people in a rush who are out on their lunch break who need that sandwich quickly to get back to the office. It's, it's that type of environment which we're seeing evolve first. And with the removal of things like point-of-sale checkouts, belted checkouts, all the floor space that is freed up to these retailers to enable them to push more products out yeah. into, the, into the market. And also, they're going to need more ways to interact with their customers now that there isn't necessarily that physical people-to-people -people interaction in the store. So this is where digital really, uh, really adds credence to the retail shopping experience. Yeah. I think possibly to add to that, although these technologies are here and they're usable, there's a balancing factor around personal data that needs to be taken into account. So does a supermarket, for example, want to have that information about its customers banding around? Yes, it might help sell to a certain age group or a certain product, but there are a lot of sensitivities around that type of facial recognition, you know, age recognition, who's going for what product and how that information is used. So we, we work very closely with our partners to work out whether these are real implementable solutions, if you like, or whether we need to sort of get the basics right and then add other layers of solution onto the basic platform. So it's, you've got to take into account the sensitivity, I think, yeah. around personal data there. I was going to say that I'm inspired, but I'm, but I'm also aware of the concerns that consumers have. Yeah. yeah, I think our job as managed service providers in this space is to collaborate with people who can uh, desensitize that data. So make it uh, agnostic, make it anonymous. Um, everything that we're doing in that space is all about that data propagation and that data creation has to be managed in a very solid fashion. Obviously, everybody's aware these days of those lovely GDPR rules and regulations that have been brought about for very, very good reason. And I think once you go into the, the sight and sound elements of GDPR, where it's not just um, a few words on, the, on a database about who I am, how old I am, you know, what generation I belong to, once you're looking at facial and sound data, that again has to have this layer of um, security, has to have the layer of trust. And I know that sounds a little bit of a play on words for us, but that's, you know, that's what we're about. It's about taking that very sensitive, very private data and putting it into environments that you can't abuse it, that you can't access it, uh, either at all or unnecessarily. About six years ago, we put together a solution uh, of that ilk that now has millions of public records in it. Only once in that time have we ever been asked to access that data. And I didn't, as the owner of the business, I didn't even have access to it. And we had to go through so many protocols to detune the data to get back to something that was actually usable. And that was actually for a security question that came from the government. Um, they wanted to know about who was where at a particular time for a, uh, it was a terrorist threat. But that, just, that wasn't just something, that, oh yes, I'll spin up a disk and I'll show you the face. That was an incredibly complex way of unraveling anomalized data to get back to the core. So that's the sort of things that we have to be able to demonstrate and to show and to prove that we are not going to exploit people's data unnecessarily. I guess it's what happens with that data as well. Once you say, once it has now been sort of put into a meaningful way, I think we're all more, I say we're more accepting. I think it's just a given that in some way, shape or form, our data is being used 
in, in whatever way it might be, but does it drive different behaviours from, from our retailers, for example, how they engage with us as individual customers, with different demographics and everything else? So, and, and, and again, I think that leans into the system, yeah. obviously, that you've developed, right, where you can be that much more targeted and pinpoint. Well, the, the, I mean, there's a demand from customers. You know, I actually want to walk in the store and be recognized. Yeah. You know, if I'm going to go and buy some wine, I want the owner of that shop to know I'm in the store, and I want him to be promoting the hell out of me. I want him to be welcoming me. I want him to say, look, you bought this last time, Mike, and if you buy a, you know, an extra yeah. bottle, I'll do this for you. I want to be promoted to. I yeah. want to be sold to. Now, I don't want that information sharing with everybody outside of that environment, but I want to go in and I want to be treated in a, in a particular way. Um, and... You know, store colleagues don't have necessarily all the time in the world to share with everybody at every pinpoint time of their shopping experience. And digital is the only way in which you're going to yeah. get an immersive and positive and actually something that you can execute on. So, you know, have I got it in stock? Yes. Right. Promote. Who's in? Is it the right demographic? Does he, you know, don't promote, you know, a Malbec to me if I'm a Pinot Noir buy it. It's that sort of thing, you know? It's relevant, because otherwise I'll go, why are you promoting me something I've yeah, never been drunk? through the playlist suggestions that just aren't relevant. No, Correct. It and it, it gets, you turn off to it. Great stuff. Well, thank you very much, gentlemen. Fascinating stuff. Be sure to tune in to part one of this two-part special from the Retail Exchange podcast on the future of digital signage. And if you want to hear even more about Samsung KX, check out the interview series for my exclusive interview with Samsung KX director of Showcase, Tanya Weller. You can find all of our podcast episodes at theretailexchange.co.uk or on your favourite podcast app. Until next time, I've been Jason Bradbury from Samsung KX here in London. Thanks for listening. This episode of the Retail Exchange podcast was presented by Trust Systems with partners Samsung and Ergonomic. If you're asking questions about how to optimize digital signage solutions, Trust Systems has the answer. Specialists in managed integrated network and digital solutions, Trust Systems provides the underlining technology to enable agile, intelligent, next-generation digital businesses. Visit trustsystems.co.uk slash digital today to learn more.